my message today is about difficult transitions. And so I, I would like to just kind of, as we walk through this passage, this last passage with Joseph, we could put ourselves for a moment into his place. The, the place of all of Israel. We begin with Jacob. Jacob. The father of the 12 tribes of Israel who's been given a promise that he will indeed produce a great nation. He has promised that he was going to produce this great nation. He was given a land within which this would happen. He was given a land in which his nation would dwell. This is a, a beautiful land, which now bears his name, which God gave to him, a very special name, Israel. So Jacob is in Israel, and he's been sad for decades at the loss of his son, Joseph. And so he sees the, the caravan coming with the Egyptian carts. And, and, and as it comes towards him, he's wondering, what, what's happening? Well, me, my, my sons are returning, but it looks like there's like a little bit of a bigger group. And they come and they, and they say to him, Dad, Joseph is alive. He's probably just reeling like, what? Like he doesn't believe it. No, Joseph is alive. How? And there's all sorts of confusing messages coming. We threw him in a pit and we sold him a slave. You can, you can imagine the anger that's flooding through him as he's hearing this. But, then, but the jubilation that his son is alive. And his son is now ruler of Egypt, second only to the Pharaoh. And he is calling specifically for dad. Dad, please. Come up to Egypt. Now you can imagine Jacob is already really worried. His well has run dry. His family is thirsty and starving and doesn't know what's going to happen. And now he hears that he is going to be able to go to the place where the food is, where the water is, the place where there is not a, a fear of death. But that means leaving the promised land. Leaving the place that he was told was God's land, and that's where his family was to dwell forever. Imagine the confusion that Jacob is feeling as he hears this news. Hope, salvation, fear, trepidation. As Jacob hears all of this, there's a few things that start going through his mind. First of all, he starts thinking about Egypt and what it means to him and his family. When grandpa went to Egypt in a famine, Pharaoh tried to take grandma as his wife. His dad, Isaac, had never left the promised land. Even when he wanted to find a wife from his, where he came from, he sent a servant to do it for him. He wouldn't leave the land. And now, he's going to be the one that takes his family from the promised land into Egypt, the land of many gods, at the demand of the man who considers himself a god. So he's fearful, but he has no choice. He's thirsty. 
and things could be worse. And so Israel sets out with his whole family, and he, he ends up at this place called Beersheba. It's a, kind of a, 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 the last kind of place before you exit the promised land. And this is a great place where his forefathers had been worshiping God and praying to God. And so he stops his whole family there. And he probably stops and he's just praying like, God, like, am I, I'm about to do this. Is this okay? And it says, God spoke to Israel in a vision at night. And he said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God the God of your father, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes as you die. Jacob has the word that he needs. And basically what he's hearing from God, this is something I want to say to us, God loves transition. God loves transition. He has plans to move people here and there. And it's really interesting to me that the unchanging God loves change. Us, ever-changing creatures, each second some of our cells are aging, hate change. It's a bit ironic when you think about that. A bit understandable. And so the first word he says to Jacob is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the change. And he actually says, go down to Egypt. He, he actually calls Jacob to Egypt. He calls to the change. Now, I, I know that kind of why he says be afraid. I, I, I've had a call from God before when he says like, okay, step down from where you are. And I don't even know where, where I'm going. That's, that's a, a fearful thing. I know many of you have probably gone through this. It could be a, a, a transition in terms of your job. I feel like, ah, you know what? It's, this isn't, maybe it's because of downsizing. Maybe it's because just in your own heart, you're, you, you feel like, ah, something else. Not an easy thing to step out into that transition. But God calls us to it often. The second thing that we start to realize is that God orchestrates transition. Like he's been building this. Israel was not leaving that land unless there was no food. And there was nowhere to go unless a young man was thrown in a pit and sold into slavery. Somehow through all that madness, God has decided he's going to bring his people here. And he gives encouragement in this transition. He gives them words to him. And I, and I love this. He actually gives them four things to help his heart in this transition. First, he says, I will make you great. That promise that I made about greatness, I'm going to do it. It's still going to happen. Don't worry. This isn't kind of pause or this is actually fast forward. I'm going to get you there. He says, I will go down with you. You're not going into this transition on your own. You're moving into this with God. God's going to come. God's going to be there. 
He says, I will bring you back. All the stuff that you love, the way of life that you love, you're going to have that feeling again. And then his final consolation is that you will be buried in peace. You're going to have Joseph there. Your death, in the end, will have fruit. Now, this can apply to so many things, right? I'm thinking of my own life, as I said, transitioning into a new place. For you, like, we're getting to know each other. I'm sure it's awkward sometimes for you guys, as it is for me. Mannerisms and ways of acting and talking and approaching Scripture. Had such an amazing pastor. I've had some good talks with Mike just about transition in general. It's, it's not an easy thing for anyone, for wherever we're going, no matter how good it is, how scary it is. Trying to get used to it, right? Trying to get used to each other. But just in general, we try to get used to our transitions. It's not, it's always, it's not easy. There's different types of transition. I'm in the middle of another transition trying to, to move. So figuring out where I'm going to go, not easy. We're in the middle of a transition of trying to see a renovation happen. There's transitions of jobs. There's transitions to schools. There's transitions where, uh, sometimes there's transitions from churches, right? It's not easy. There's transitions with children. So a little grandchild coming in. It's a, a new transition, right? There's things that happen that change your life. There's transitions of, of stages of life where you kind of move into a next stage. I'm now in the 40s. It's been weighing. I was driving today in the morning, just thinking, I'm 40, and thinking about what all that means. I gotta live differently. (laughs) (laughs) There's retirement. I was talking to a couple down in Huntsville yesterday, and and they're kind of onto this next step, and they're really excited. Other people are gonna miss work. There's there's the transition we just heard about earlier of of loss. How do you transition in? loss. What we're hearing from God is that the key to transition is trusting him. Relying on him. Realizing that this is in his hands and you, and you can't control the transition. However, he does want you to be alert and he wants you to be wise in transition. And we start to see as the story continues, there's a lot of wisdom being shown by both Jacob and Joseph and how they're going to manage this transition from the land of Israel into the land of Egypt. And so he sends down his family. It says there's actually 66 of them, plus Jacob, and then there's Joseph and his two sons. That means there's 70 altogether direct descendants, including Jacob himself. And what he does is he, he actually sends... Uh, an emissary head, he sends Judah, Jacob says, hey, go talk to Joseph, ask him for directions to Goshen. They don't have Google Maps yet, so how do, how do, we, how do we get to Goshen? It's very important that he gets to Goshen because he wants to actually be there in the land when they finally make the request. And so he, he gets the directions, he ends up arriving in Goshen, and then there's that moment, that dramatic moment where in Goshen, there's the, the chariot of Jacob arrives, of Joseph arrives, and Jacob sees him, and he gets down, and it says that Jacob just, and Joseph, they, they cleave together, and there's just tears, just weeping and weeping and weeping. And Jacob, Israel says, now I am ready to die, says, I have seen for myself that you are still alive. I'm I'm good. I could die now. 
That's not God's plan. Joseph realizes quickly that we better get this in order because Egypt will have the same fear I had, or at least I feigned when I said, you're spies. Egypt is going to have a little bit of a difficulty trying to figure out how this is going to work. And so he says, when you see Pharaoh, what you have to say to all his brothers, you need to say, we are shepherds. We are shepherds. Whenever he asks you what you do, why? Because they hate shepherds. They're city dwellers. It actually says they detest shepherds. So make sure you tell them you're a shepherd. Because then they're going to treat you like a leper. And keep you as far away as they can. And so this is the plan. And, and, it, and it, they, he tells them the plan. They enact the plan. In fact, what he does is says he picks five brothers. I imagine he picked the five best looking or at least like smartest talking of the brothers. Right? He probably left... Simeon and Levi alone, they seem to kill foreigners sometimes, just like leave them behind. Probably picks them up, like, okay, here's the five that I can bring before Pharaoh and, and somehow survive this. And so they come before Pharaoh and they ask Pharaoh, can we have Goshen? Well, what do you do? We're shepherds, we're already in Goshen. Take Goshen. And maybe some of you can take care of my royal flocks. Which we know from records, there was thousands of shepherds who would help take care of the Pharaoh's flocks. It's a great honor. And so they, it says, Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. And Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years till he was 147. Now, what's also interesting about this, Jacob gets to live a, a, an old life there. He actually gets to have 17 years there. But he also got to meet the Pharaoh. And when you meet the Pharaoh, you kind of are in the presence of a god in Egypt. And what's very interesting is somehow in, in, the, in all of this, he says some type of blessing to the Pharaoh, probably something like, oh, king, live forever. And he's like, well, how old are you? You look like you've been living forever. And he tells him, oh, I'm not that old, just 130, not as old as my parents. And then the Pharaoh receives a blessing from Israel. Isn't that interesting? You have the son of the promise is blessing Egypt, the Pharaoh. And because of this, we have Israel planted and watered. And so Israel becomes this fruitful nation. What I want to point out with this is, in transition, there's a lot of things you've got you to recognize. Is that God wants us to take our part in transition, to make sure we play our part. And part of that is wisdom takes time. Recognizing that transition doesn't just happen like that. It's a, a give and a take. It takes some time. Send some messengers to get directions. You try to finagle with the leadership, you try to sit in the land, and, and, you, and you wait, and you let God bless. Transition takes time. So going into that with that, that wisdom. But wisdom also asks us to anticipate strategically, to figure out, get, get in the land ahead of time, so you're already there, so they can't, it'd be harder to kick you out. Then Make sure that you strategically present yourself the best you can with the five best brothers. Make sure that you, you strategically are... Um, blessing Pharaoh. Make sure you say the right words. We are shepherds. Be wise with how you present yourself. 
in all this transition, making sure that you use the wisdom that God can bless you with so that when you're in the transition, you're making the best of it, even though it's difficult. Also being respectful to the cultural norms. Sometimes I think with Christians in transition, we kind of want to blow things up. Like, ah, that's the world, and eschew it completely in a way where, where Jacob actually blesses Pharaoh. Learning to have the respect within our culture. Learning ways to work with people who might not be part of the people of God, but learning to show them the blessings of God. And what happens when we do this, this is kind of the part three of the story, is that you end up seeing there's a legacy that comes, a legacy of God-fearing that comes from transition. And so we see what, now that they're in Egypt, Jacob is, is dying and he pulls over uh, aside the two sons of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim, and he blesses them. He wants to bless them kind of for the next generation. He wants to leave a legacy, a spiritual legacy. But he's kind of a funny guy, because if you, if you know anything about how the patriarchs work, they're always messing up the birth order. They do like to mess with things a little bit. And so when he goes to, to bless them, he, he crosses his hands, and he blesses them. And Joseph is steaming mad, like, no, like, no, I need my firstborn blessed. You, you, you messed up the blessing. He's like, no, I know. They're both going to be great nations, but... Ephraim, fruitful, is going to be a little stronger than forgetful. This is the way God loves to, to upset things, too, and he does transitions. You've got to remember, Isaac wasn't the firstborn. Jacob wasn't the firstborn. Joseph wasn't the firstborn. You wonder why Joseph's protesting. He wants to hold on to this tradition, and he himself isn't the firstborn. There's this legacy where God is sovereign, and he, he's going to move as he moves in his own ways, and allowing that to be there as part of this transition. And so he blesses the two, and then he ends up blessing all the brothers. I don't want to go through them all. Some of, them, some of the blessings are kind of like suspect, like Reuben. He says, like, you will no longer excel. That's how he, he's like, oh, that's a, Simon and Levi are brothers. Keep them away from me. They will be scattered. But the rest of them, he's talking like, Judah, you're a lion. Zebulon, you're going to live by the seashore. He's, he's, he's giving these blessings. What he's trying to, to, to accomplish is to, through the transition, going into Egypt, he wants to make sure he leaves a spiritual legacy, that this transition turns into spiritual fruit. And so he blesses them, and he allows them to, to, to live in Egypt. And before he dies, though, he says the one thing. He grabs Joseph. He's like, I beg you to bury me in Israel. I beg you. And Joseph promises. He actually grabs him by the thigh, which is kind of a weird place to grab. He's like, grabs him by the thigh. He's like, please, take me back to Israel. And Joseph says, okay. And when Jacob dies, Joseph is there. And says he grabs his father, lying there, cold, and he kisses him. And he weeps over him. And then he has him embalmed, Egyptian style. He becomes a mummy. So he can make the journey back to Israel. And it says that he makes such, there's such a great uh, parade of people, and they're mourning so loudly that when the Canaanites finally see these Egyptians, rather like, the Egyptians have lost like, someone great. In fact, the, the length of the, the mourning period that we see, the, the way the Egyptians did mourning was they would mourn uh, certain lengths of time for certain types of people. They mourned the length of royalty for Israel. They, they mourned him as like a 
deceased king. And they lay Israel down. And guess what happens? Read it right away. Everyone knows about the legacy, this whole spiritual legacy, families. The death of the patriarch, death of the, 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 the one who's uniting all the, the siblings can be, can be difficult times. I'm sure some of you have seen this where it can go really sour. I was just listening to the radio on, on the weekend. They were talking about how cottages become very difficult things at this time. When, when the, the cottage is now going to be passed on somehow, a legacy of some sort, it, it gets into lawyers and all sorts of difficulties. The brothers have an extra difficulty. They're still thinking, Joseph loves dad, but we, we enslaved him. Like, what's he going to do? And so they send this message to him ahead of time. Hey, dad says, please forgive us. <laughs> And he, he writes back a really, I mean, actually, they say to him, we are your slaves. Isn't that interesting? That we're your slaves. That's the first thing. We're, we're your slaves. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and for your children. And he reassured them. And he spoke kindly to them. It's a beautiful legacy that's been left. And Joseph is going to continue it. He's going to allow the brothers to live there and to, to flourish and to grow into God-fearing people. In fact, by the time he's dying himself, Joseph has his number one fear is that they're going to stay in Egypt. He says, I'm about to die but God will surely come to your aid and take you up from out of this land, the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath, and he said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones from this place. You have to take me back to Israel too, like Dad. And then he dies at the age of 110. Which, by the way, for Egyptians is the ideal age. 110 is the exact ideal age. He dies then as a great sign of blessing. So we start to recognize this. We look at the, the legacy of God-fearing that's left, that's grown in Egypt. It doesn't follow social convention. The brothers are switched. It, it's, it's open to the, the sovereignty of God, the moving of the Spirit. It is communal. There are the 12 tribes and he's actually adopted into his family, Ephraim and Manasseh. There is a legacy of honoring the spiritual ancestors. Which for me, I just want to say here, as I, I, I enter into this new role here, I want to honor our spiritual ancestors. I want to honor the teaching team. I want to honor Mike and just recognize, like, this is a beautiful thing. All of you that have been part of this have been, 24, 25 years, but we need to honor that and allow that to continue to grow and develop. Part of transition is always making sure you recognize and honor the, the spiritual ancestry. And finally, legacy needs forgiveness. That this would not happen for Israel if there wasn't, on Joseph's part, kind of a recognition, like, some mistakes are made and there's these things that have happened and, and the the family's being, been possibly ripped apart. And, and with Joseph going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour on top of this. So I want to throw this out there to you. Whatever transition you are in, 
God can use the situation you are in to bring something good out of it. Don't despair. God's imagination is bigger than yours. That's the problem where I was like, oh, what can happen? You don't know. He, he did not understand that Egypt would be the place where his people became great. In fact, Jacob didn't realize. He's like, I, I can die right now. God gave him 17 more years with Joseph, which is exactly equal to the first 17 years he had before he lost them. It's this beautiful picture. And so as we do this, as we, as we realize we walk into any transition, we need to listen to God, see what, what he's doing. We need to be wise and we need to be shrewd. Look for ways in which we can be proactive in this. And we need to be cognizant of the spiritual legacy that we are developing in this transition. In this time of transition, the Christian needs to, to recognize that there, there is going to be a time of testing and a time of trusting. And what happens in Egypt is it sets the stage actually for the next story. Eventually it turns into a new story and there's a new need of redemption, a new transition called the Exodus. And so we have this story. This is the, the exact ending of the book of Genesis. And it's not going to be easy, but God has called them and he's built them into this nation and he's preparing them for something amazing. Transition is not easy, but God uses it for his good and for his glory. I think about the transition that Christ represents in the story of salvation. This new way of connecting to God, the new covenant, and it wasn't easy. It involved God himself taking on flesh and taking serious, sober steps towards death. agonizing, grueling, blood-soaked death. And so he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And he lifted the cup. He said, this is my blood. This is the new covenant. We are transitioning to a new relationship with God and it's in my body and my blood. It's in the forgiveness is offered through Christ. So as you come to the table today, think of it as a sign of the transition. This beautiful place where God takes stories and changes and redeems them and can bless them. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are the one who controls all these things. That we don't take the place of God. That the things that might be meant for evil by others, Lord God, you are weaving all the stories together for your purposes, for your glory. So today as we receive the bread and the cup, we ask for your forgiveness for the ways in which we rebel against you and we fear and we lack faith. And we thank you for the fact that you do forgive us. And we thank you for 
your nourishment and for your encouragement that you have called us, Lord God, to continually be changing, but that you are there every single step of our life. So we ask for those who are in transition for your blessings. May you give them wisdom, encouragement, and may this be leading towards a spiritual legacy. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.